Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Join me, Chanel Denton, on the search for truth and guidance through conversations and content around the cosmic moments that can bring about exponential growth. You are invited to discover tools and techniques to manage challenges, master transitions, manifest abundance, and live your best life. The time for cosmic moments is now. Welcome. Today I'm with Jaguar Ward, a trauma therapist based in Sydney, but takes clients from all over the world. You can find him on Instagram as Pure Jaguar. Thank you so much for coming on board today and talking to us about your insights. How are you doing during this crazy cosmic war in Corona and the lockdown in Sydney? Like, I'm fine. Like, I'm working every day. I'm booked out. It's, it's great. Like, to be fair, my life has pretty much been quarantined anyway for, like, the last eight or nine years. But not having the freedom to make the choices is the thing that's bothering me the most. What about you? I think the social aspect is affecting me quite a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm quite a touchy-feely person, as you know. So, like, not being able to, like, just connect with people on a on a physical level is quite strange for me. I've been feeling a little bit of that. Yeah, also that it's forced. I mean, I know that you saw my post around that the other day because I was getting really frustrated at it. And it's it's not about um, – uh, it's more about not being able to do it by choice. It's like mm. we need it. it it's in critical to our survival mm. to have touch. And it's – I just think this whole thing is um, – I won't go on off on a rant on any type of, like, motivation and what's going on behind the scenes. You've probably seen my um, – seen some of my posts around that, around mandatory vaccines and digital passports and stuff like that, which is all a tool of control. Um, so I won't go into that on the podcast. But um, I mean, I am interested in, in you sharing some insights around that if you, if you would like to. Most of people need to wake the fuck up yeah. that this is a – controlled and engineered thing that is being used as a threat to take more freedom from us so we can be put under more control this is a war on consciousness right now this isn't a war on a virus it's ridiculous this is a war on consciousness and things like um a podcast called london real has been uh copping flack for a video posted around 5g and the coronavirus links um i'll talk about it i'm happy to because part of my work is to awaken people as Mm. well as help them to heal themselves Um, And so something I'm super passionate about is personal serenity and personal freedoms and not being stripped away. It's ridiculous that people are willing to give them up. You probably hear in my tone, I'm like, it fucking frustrates me because the people that aren't willing to give them up are forced to give them up by people that are willing to give them up in the sake of safety, which is, it's just not, it's not true. You know what I mean? It's not right. I'm interested to hear your insights around the whole digitization of money and how you feel like this is evolving. Like, is this a construct that's been created to create? hundred percent. hundred percent. So it's, I was saying for a few years, this is um, one of the reasons I got out of the investment game was that um, I could see a crash coming. Mm. I know. And with fiat currencies and cash money, you can't really control it as much as a digital currency, right? We saw that in the um, the emergence of Bitcoin where governments wanted to regulate it because there's no regulation over it and it can be anonymous. But what I believe this is about is like create fear, right? So there's a pandemic in which is going to shut down the economy. This eliminates business owners, employees, middle class almost. So it puts a big divide between lower class and elite class. And so what happens is, as we're seeing around the world, uh, minimum basic income is going to be met by the government. Now, what comes with that is then a vaccine comes in that has digital uh, microchips in, or uh, I can't remember what they're called, but um, you have to have that so it tracks you to say that you've been vaccinated, right? What follows that is then the digital currency, and then you use all your currency through these chips that they put in you, which are called RFID chips, which is part of this thing that Bill Gates has developed called ID2020, which is everything is digital and part of this AI system. 
And so like they have in China, they've got what's called social credit system. And there are people over there that can't go on trains, they can't travel because their approach or attitude to the government's control system is not in line with what the government wants. So they just, they cut them off from being able to do things, right? Which is, this is a, a, a basic violation of human rights. And this is, I feel like this thing has been engineered completely in order to bring in a vaccine, which is the supposed antidote to the threat, which is not, I mean, it has like aborted male baby fetuses in it, which is MRC5, which is a cell which is put in it. It's got snake genetics. It's got chicken genetics. It's got cow genetics. It's got heavy metals. It's like, I'd rather get the fucking virus, you know, rather than put that thing into me, which I absolutely will not under any circumstances put a vaccine into my system. And so this is all like an engineered threat because you look at, how this stuff works it's like if our government really loved us and this was really a method of protecting everyone why is it throughout history that our how rights and our freedoms have been stripped away more and more and more and more and the more you speak up against it the more you're oppressed okay so let's say let's say that this is a definite truth okay i'm 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 going to be the devil's advocate and say like if this were a reality of what you're saying how then do you escape it? What happens if you choose not to take this vaccine that they're potentially going to bring in? Yeah, you go back to community, to tribal living. So I think what will happen is we'll see a real division in society. If it comes in, I actually don't think it will come in because there's too many people waking up to it. Mm. So it won't be a generally accepted thing because people like, hang on a sec, like there's a vaccine called in America which has paid out billions of dollars, right, because they gave immunity to the pharmaceutical companies where they couldn't be criminally liable for vaccine injury and the burden of proof to get a payout is extremely high so four billion dollars that's a significant amount of money for them to be paying out so in to answer your question let's say it does come in um, one of the things that i believe will happen is there'll be a division between the people that will take it and won't take it and i think we'll see cities move into those smart cities which are very integrated with AI, 5G, um, automated cities of which people become dependent on universal basic income and part of that system. And others like myself, which will literally exit that system and go to more communal living, if that means it's like Malambimbi or further in regional areas of which that's not accepted and that's not part of it, mm -hmm. that's where I'll go to. Or I'll, I'll leave the country, I don't mind. If I might go to New Zealand, I might go to Asia. Because I don't see this as being something that people are willing to accept because it's literally going against our fundamental nature of what it is to be a human being. It goes against all of that. And so people will eventually cotton on to that. So it's a system which is based on fear and control. And the biggest systems that are what they're afraid of with fear of control is exposure. You know, and people that are living in fear all the time, you know how weak they are? They're fragile. Mm -hmm. And so they're afraid of being exposed. They're afraid of the future. Whereas the people that are not, living in fear they're not scared of anything so it's like okay cool you can't take anything away from me so i believe it'll create it'll go back to tribal living more connected to the earth more connected to mother nature more connected to one another where we won't live in a society where those things can be taken away under the idea of a false threat of a virus that has a 99 percent recovery rate does that make sense yeah i think it's a big statement to say and i think there's going to be a lot of pushback for that statement and you know, if you look at how many people buy into the social platforms that are already existing and how they already become so dependent on this transhuman reality of having digitization through everything. Yeah. Um, how, how extreme will the crossover be? You know, how, like, I mean, this, this is all very extreme. It is. But yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's been very manipulative. So, like, there's a lot of, you know, media creates division. It could be division of religion, it could be cultural, race, whatever it is. Like, if you watch the media and really buy into the media, like, I'm sorry if this offends anyone. If you believe everything the media says, you are, you're an absolute idiot that doesn't want to think for themselves. The thing is, with media, you can see that again and again and again and again, it's called out lying. It breeds fear. It's there to put you into a fear state. It's called a program for a reason. A program right, is something that runs a computer, runs a system, right? You mm -hmm. are being programmed by the program that you're watching, right? I haven't watched commercial television for years, except with my, the person I live with now, she watches it every now and then. But literally within 10 or 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, God, I feel like I've got these bugs crawling all over my skin because it's 
really for the lowest common denominator of people that are sheep that don't want to think for themselves. That's where I see it. And so all of these companies, right, so big pharma, big agriculture, big military, big government, big finance, big having, media, for example. Sorry, having sorry. worked for Channel 7, I can't agree with you more. Just, yeah. Yeah. So what um, what happens is, like, let's take big pharma, for example, right? They're not in the interest of healing people. They're in the interest of keeping people sick, mm. right? So why would a company or an industry that has the motivation to keep people sick for the bottom line, which is profit, be trying to cure people with a vaccine. It doesn't make any sense. They're motivated by profit. They're in the they're in the industry and in the business to keep you sick, to keep you controlled, to keep you slowed down and dependent on a system, right? So in relation to the work that I do where it's, you know, I'll literally restructure someone's subconscious through linguistic constructs, mm. right? Healing will be instant. Right, IBS will go away within a couple of days. Skin issues they've had for 20 years will go away. Anxiety will dissipate. They'll get off medication. They'll heal relationships. They'll have a healthier sense of self-worth. Depression and anxiety brought to you by the industry, which says they're a mental illness. Now on this, so this links back into the motivation around vaccines and all that other garbage that they want to tell you that is you know, good for you and that you need. The Diagnostics and Statistics Manual of Mental Illness, which was written in the 80s, which is the, uh, the book which all psychiatrists, psychotherapists have to use in order to diagnose. Mm-hmm. The very people that wrote it said in the foreword, this should never, ever be used for forensic purposes or insurance purposes, which means don't use it because it's so inaccurate, huh. right? If it says it is so inaccurate and imprecise, I believe is the exact words they use, right? So imprecise, it should never be used for forensic purposes. Yet, the American Psychological Association, which is linked in with Big Pharma, makes every new issue of the DSM be purchased by every therapist that diagnoses the diagnosis to sell drugs to, right? So when I work with someone, I actually posted something on my Instagram this morning um, about a woman that had been taking anti-anxiety medication for two decades mm-hmm. two decades i did four sessions with her and she's not on it anymore four sessions of 90 minutes right okay because what i'll get into the underlying aspects of it which is they don't want you to know this right yeah so anxiety right i'll start off with the prostate okay you believe it's a mental illness yeah so you've been diagnosed with it yeah where do you feel anxiety in your body when you have it it's in your stomach right so mental is usually in the mind in the head mm. right so automatically, it's, it's going against the very thing that it's saying that it is, which is it's not a fucking mental illness. It's a bodily response, right? So what it is, it's you're relating to your environment in a way that you can't control, okay? Right. So you don't feel safe, right? So when you can't control the future or your environment, what is that saying underneath that? The basic narrative of that is that you can't trust. That's it. That's where anxiety comes from. That's why the sympathetic nervous system fires up. You get this cascade of adrenaline, noradrenaline, and cortisol, which floods your system. The blood goes away from the digestive tract into the arms and legs. You literally can't digest anything. Mm. Right? You don't trust. This is why when people get IBS, the underlying aspect is I'm trying to process everything so quickly because I'm scared. Yes, exactly. Right? And But the industry that loves you, that wants to jab a vaccine into your arm, will medicate you for as long as you'll buy that medication and tell you that it's a mental illness when it's just a response that you don't feel safe. That's it. Okay, so then let's talk a little bit more about your process then. So how would you walk someone through... Okay, so on a conscious level, you can say, yep, it's all in the stomach. You know, it's it's your reactions to a thought. And that's what... So talk me through it a little bit. Like how do you actually unfold? Yeah. What's your process? So what I'll do is I'll just listen really deeply, like in a way that most people have never been listened to. And the way that we relate to the world is through language, right? Mm. It's, we don't relate to it through any other way. Our thoughts are in words, mm. okay? So what will happen is I'll listen to the way that someone speaks. So what will happen is they'll start sitting there and they'll say, you know, I'm, I can never meet someone for as an example, right? I keep meeting the same partner, all right? So what will happen is... This is a pattern that's showing up in their life to help them evolve past the pattern that keeps showing up. So they keep, tra- attra- they keep attracting that in. 
what will happen is they'll develop feelings of anxiety, like that person's going to constantly leave them, right? Mm -hmm. They'll develop behavioral adaptations of people-pleasing, perfectionism, addiction, procrastination, um, self-rejection, whatever narrative that they adhere to, which goes back to childhood. Mm. But they'll be unconscious to it. So I'll listen to them very deeply, and I'll be able to hear what behavioral mechanisms they use to protect themselves and keep themselves safe. Right, And then I'll unwind that back or reverse engineer it to a time in childhood, which is usually the original event or the original incident. And then I'll get them to shift the way that they perceive that through language and collapsing time. Um, and then that will have, the byproduct of that will essentially be the integration of the event that's been controlling them of which the narrative was originally designed. The freedom will come after that. What do you mean by collapsing time? So what happens is when we're a child, right, we can only really see events from a negative quote-unquote perspective of sadness, rejection, confusion, and fear, right? So it might be that um, they keep getting outshone by their twin brother in one of their classes, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's, I've got a twin brother, so this is not a direct thing that I experience, but let's say they've got parents that that expect them to be high achievers and... John and Mike, right? Mike gets the good results and John isn't so good because he's more of a creative, yet they're in a system which rewards analytical thinking or not thinking, I like to say, in the school system, but rewards like regurgitating information at a high rate. So mm-hmm. then they go home and they present their um, both their grades to their parents. The parents um, reward the one that did better. The one next to him, the other brother, declares to himself that somehow he's not enough. Mm. right because he can only see and feel through the eyes of rejection he might be eight or nine years old he can't look at it through the lens of the adult and say well this isn't something that is indicative of who i am as a free being but i'm being judged by my parents as i'm not enough right Mm. so what he'll do is he'll then choose groups where he feels not he's not enough he'll go out into the world and choose jobs where he'll get passed over by his colleagues because his work won't be as good and he'll keep bringing these situations into his life until he realizes that life is trying to give him the opportunity to overcome that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'll work back into that and make them realize that that's just an unconscious belief which isn't true because it's just in words that they've developed to keep themselves safe because they believe that that's what they're worth at the end of the day. And so we go out there and repeat these things again and again and again until it gets so frustrating that we have to change. So your process, what is it based on from a theoretical point of view? So I, I understand that it's neuro-linguistic programming and psych... No, it's not NLP. It's, okay. it's not NLP. So it's just in language. So it's the way that we see the world. So I use language. I'll use philosophy from the Indian philosophers. Mm-hmm. So that might be I am versus I am not, human versus being, ego versus soul. Um, I use an element of linguistics called reframing. Um, I'll use inner child work as well. Uh, I'll use quantum mechanics and quantum entanglement where the energy will release feelings and emotions. Um, And basically the biggest thing that I use in it is the mother energy. So I bring in the mother energy of unconditional love, acceptance and nurturing. And that really is the most important container because that will allow someone to be vulnerable. That creates space. And that is the precursor to healing. Right? So my process is not a direct process. I don't run them through one, two, three, four, five, six in a step-by-step. It might be someone that has grown up in a chaotic environment, for example, right? and they keep attracting these chaotic relationships. What they need is to learn how to set boundaries and maintain them. That will, that will create healing. The sense of self-worth will go up because they're not afraid to lose relationships for the very reason why they went into the relationship in the first place. So that might be that one. For example, someone might come to me with um, psoriasis, for example, a skin issue, right? Skin issues are usually around unresolved anger, which is trying to leave the body, okay? So then I'll work back into the memory, and I'll get them to look at the memory as a gift rather than something that they should resent, okay? Mm-hmm. And so that will, that will then start to dissipate the skin issues. Anxiety, as an example, I'll sit there and I'll say, no. 
and it's easy to work in actual examples of how I work rather than a step-by-step process. It's not a system that I use. It's a multitude of different things. Okay. So, so when you say looking at something as a gift, you yeah. want to... You wanna... Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. So, as an example, I worked with a woman. She came to me. She was thirty nine years old, and she had recently broken or been broken up with. Mm. She's like, you know, Dad, fuck this. You know, I'm never going to meet anyone. You know, I want to have a baby. As it turns out, she hadn't had a period for seven years. Okay, so we got back into a child, and it turns out that she was given up for adoption. And um, what the lack of being able to have her feminine cycles work correctly is at the deeper end she was walking around with the narrative that she was worth giving up as a child Mm. right and i said to her i said the only thing you need to give up is the idea that you were worth giving up because your mother your biological mother loved you so much she gifted you up so you can have the life that she never wanted to and she i guarantee she probably would have suffered her whole life of being able to do that and giving, gifting you up into a better system, a better family that gave you so much love and everything you ever wanted, and you're walking around as though you're worthless. And so she sort of starts to cry and all this sort of stuff. And I said, so what you, what she gave you was the gift of a better life. And in that turn, you gave the gift of the experience of parenthood to your adopted parents. What a gift that is to the world. And so she's crying and she's going through this. And it's a, a longer process that I went through with her. Mm. But she goes, oh, my God, I've never looked at it like that. I didn't realize that. And I said, your mother took on the suffering, your biological mother took on the suffering that you she didn't want you to have by not being able to give you the life that she wanted you to have. Now, you said to me that you wanted to have a child. Do you think you could um, give that child up for a better future that you couldn't? She goes, no way. I said, so your biological mother made the ultimate sacrifice. And she's like... She's in a lot of tears now and crying. And um, anyway, she rings me within an hour and she's like, I just got my period. Wow. wow. So like, this is the energetics of working into something like that and the blockages that are created through the words that we mm. speak to ourselves. Yeah, that's incredible. Incredible about the self-talk that has such a physiological effect on the body totally it's it's absolutely it manifests in that way and so when you ask the question looking at it as a gift versus um something that you're a victim it's like well your biological mother gifted you she gave you the gift of an incredible life that you've got and she has incredible life this woman too like a lot and she's walking around as though she's worthless because of an idea that she's told herself Mm. you know what i mean and so the gift of it is is being able to look at it as though, and I'll say to someone as well, I'll say, you know, you've got fear of the future, you get anxiety. And I'll say, yeah. And I said, so you're fearing the future that hasn't yet happened. And I'll say, yes. And I said, and you've experienced anxiety before, right? And I'll say, yes. And I said, but right now you're safe. And I'll say, yeah. I said, so you fear the future in the all through your life. And I'll say, yeah. And I go, but you're safe right now. And I'll say, yes. I said, so you're not worried about the future right now. They're like, no, I said, so that would say to me that every choice you've ever made has been right. Hmm. And they're like, oh, fuck, I didn't think about it like that. I said, so then what are you worried about the future for? Hmm. You know, and I'll say, so the only ultimate thing you can be worried about in it all is death. Because every decision you've made is right. Every adverse experience you've had has turned out to be right. Because right now you are perfectly safe. So life is supporting you. You're held by life. And you're relating to a future that hasn't yet happened that you're trying to avoid that you've made up. But you're safe. And so you don't know that you're not going to be okay. And your ultimate de- fear is death, which you're not going to give a fuck about the future anyway because you're going to be dead. You know? yeah. <laughs> so we relate to the future as this thing to be feared rather than living in the present without that fear of the future that hasn't yet happened because we can't live in the future. I don't know anyone who lives in the future, do you? <laughs> no. You know no. what I mean? Okay, but... Okay, so then what about people that are not fearful of death? Yeah. But... Okay, so if I take the South African context and I think yeah. of someone in South Africa, she's not fearful of death, but she's fearful of being attacked. Yeah. Which is, you know, the climate of South Africa. There's a high rape... Um, and, and, and physical crime 
Yeah. So how would you, how would you then speak to someone that has that kind of fear? So it's, it's still very much the same way, you know. How I would go back and say, look, have you been raped? Have you been attacked before? If they say no, I say, well, how do you know that it's going to happen? You don't. Now that's not to say that you shouldn't be wary of your environment. To live in a constant state of fear. That is the very thing that's going to bring in the fear that you're afraid of. Mm. You know what I mean? And so how do we relate to an environment where we don't feel safe? I'd say, look, if it really makes you feel that unsafe, then move. Get out of the environment. Change your environment. You know, mm. if it is a life or death situation, change your environment. Mm. You know, but if you're living in what I'm more like in South Africa, is a, it's a different example because you're under very real threat there and some people can't escape. Mm. But on a deeper level, the soul has chosen that for their experience in order to have those experiences, mm. right, to, mm. to live in that. Now, I'm not a proponent of that type of environment, and I can't even fathom what it must be like living like that. But if they, I look at it in two ways. So if someone had been assaulted before, one of the ways I look at it is look how resilient you are that you can survive that. Now, it doesn't mean that you want it to happen again, but you're so fucking resilient, your attacker couldn't hurt you enough where you couldn't overcome it, mm. right? Mm. So there's the changing of the frame of the way things happen. You know, a lot of the time you'll see someone that's attacked by a shark, for example, lose their uh, legs or something, and they'll say, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me appreciate life, mm. Mm. right? Whereas a lot of the stuff I work with, it, that's a very real threat in South Africa too, you know? Whereas someone that's living in that level of fear living it in Sydney, they might be scared because they're going to lose their fucking job or something benign like that, you know, but it'll be the same physiology and the same energetics producing the same result, fear. Right. Do you know what I mean? So the body doesn't discriminate as I'm going to be raped versus, oh, God, my boss called a meeting and he hasn't told me why at 1 o'clock on a Friday. Yeah. You know, the same fear will manifest um, underneath that and it will produce the same results. Yes. Okay. So with, um, so we both do trauma release therapy. I do somatic. Do you, do, do you, does movement come into your therapy where you do the somatic trauma release movement and anything like no. this? Or is it just, no. it's just kind of a talk therapy? It's all talk therapy. So okay. 95% of my work is done over the phone. Mine is through, there are these chains which keep us repeating the same pattern. Right, So the first thing is awareness that I bring into it and I shine light on the situation because as you would know, once you make the unconscious conscious, that person is different forever. Right. You know, I was dealing with a um, this beautiful woman that was a sexual abuse victim and she came to me because she was repeating the same patterns and she's like, you know, I keep attracting the same man. And I said, yeah, that's because you're not being vulnerable. And she's like, obviously, the conversation was longer. And she goes, yeah, I'm being vulnerable. I said, no, you're not. And she's like, well, how would you know? You you weren't there. And I said, because you keep tracking the same man in. Because I'll tell you why you're not being vulnerable. Because if you bring in a man that will truly meet your needs, right, at a deep heart-spaced level, it'll terrify you, mm. right? Because the last time you were vulnerable, you were back in a room when you were six being molested. Mm. And she's like, oh, fuck fuck, you're right, fuck, 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 and she got it, right? And I said, see that energy there now, right? That energy that's coming to light, that awareness which has been released, right? Now, I want you to forget that trauma for a second, right? Just imagine like it never happened, that you had no memory of it, right? Feel the space in your body and tell me where in that space you need to feel worthless. And she's like, well, I don't. And I said, okay, well, I wouldn't be surprised if a man shows up ready to meet your needs. Anyway, one man did and three did in the space of eight days, right? <laughs> so her ex-husband that she was trying to get school fees out for her kids came back and offered to pay the school fees for her. Um, her father contacted her. They sat down. Who had previously denied this former had ever happened. She told him and he dismissed it and said, no, it never happened. Apologized to her for never keeping her safe. Um, and then I think it was the guy that broke up with her the very reason why she came to me rang her and said, you know, I'm sorry, I could never meet your needs and apologized to her and said she was an amazing woman. Hmm. You know, so the energetics of that being released, of her not feeling as though that trauma needs to control her anymore, gets released in an instant. So that's the quantum entanglement aspect, right? So she's in resistance to having her needs met 
right? Through the aspect of the realization that that no need, no longer needs to control her, she becomes available, energetically available, and things manifest instantly. Mm. Right? So it's not that we don't need to go through this process of like years of therapy and talk therapy. In my opinion, that's just enabling the fact that you have a problem. Mm, I agree. You know? So that's how that's how the release works. It's in the shift. And to be honest, I don't know fully or understand how it works like that. It just does. <laughs> so I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> so how did you come about this then? Was it your own trauma or a journey that you had to come through to kind of get into this reframing process? Or how did this... Good question. So... I developed a high level of communication through sales. So I was taught some stuff by one guy, then there was some other stuff which I which I taught myself, and I did a lot of phone sales. And I became I operated at a really high level. And what I was able to pick up is when people were lying on the phone, you know, to the point where I'd know what they were going to say just based on the rate of their breath. Mm. That changed when they were like breathing into their chest. It means they were going to lie. If they sort of hold their breath for a while, it's like they're considering it about to say, this sounds really good. And so I developed and learned how to be able to speak to the subconscious through that. And I learned people's motivations. I learned a lot of stuff around that. But that was only sort of one part of it, which I believe not really any therapists bring in too much, you know, linguistics to it on that level. Then I started studying philosophers and all the other subjects which I mentioned earlier. But my main thing was um, two years ago, I had to work through my own shit so to speak i was attracting the same women into my life that was similar to my mother i was attracting the same mates into my life that was similar to my father Um, i was repeating the same patterns all over the shop and so i got to a point where the frequency of my consciousness wanted to shift to create new circumstances and i realized the old version of me was no longer in alignment with the great version of me that was trying to be born into what i do now so i went through like cut downs of like cutting people out man like my mum, my dad my sister my twin brother um and moving all them out of my life because i got to a point where i was in so much resistance and pain that i said i'd rather be fucking alone than in a system or a situation where i'm victimized and bullied and put down i'm not going to do it anymore and through that i started to learn how to develop boundaries and then i said i'm okay being alone that i'm safe alone you know not isolation but alone like i'm alone but not lonely um Mm -hmm. and then when i started to create that space this was amazing thing things started to come into my life because what i'd realized at a deeper level i was honoring myself i was actually showing self-love for myself for the first time ever and so by creating the space around that things started to become apparent i started to look into different methodologies i started to understand how things work i'd question things all the time and through that this unique system came together of you know philosophy and quantum mechanics and um linguistics and all that sort of stuff and so then also through my work doing it i started to see patterns in things as an example like if someone's got issues with their right knee that's around a problem with the structure of the family which is based on the father right and so these patterns kept showing up and then i started to be able to identify patterns and all of this was because i was repeating my own patterns so that's kind of the gift is being able to understand that and look into that and identify it and see where someone is repeating the same patterns that I've had to walk through and then help them break that. So would you say, you know, the whole aspect of positive psychology and, you know, manifestation processing, would you say yeah. that that is only possible once you've acknowledged and seen the shadow to uh, remove the blocks Yeah. Well, I guess it depends like on the manifestation thing. So if we go into an element of wanting, right? So affirmations, for example, I don't use affirmations because I'm not a big believer in them Mm -hmm. because we can only want something if we're under the impression it's something we don't have, right? Mm -hmm. So I want a car, I want a new house. That's, you just want that because you want, you need that in order to validate yourself as being enough to everyone else, right? So it doesn't cure the core belief or resolve the core belief that you're not enough in the first place. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. when we go into that, the shadow stuff is super important 
Like one thing that I cannot stand, maybe this is my own shadow I've got to work on, <laughs> is the love and light fucking new age bullshit. You know, it's like everything's love and light. It's like, no, that's avoidance, mm. right? Because when you move into stuff, it's like you realize that everything is dualistic. The love can't exist without the absence of love. Light can't exist without the absence of light. You know, I ask this question to people. I'm like, if you were born and you'd only ever worn glasses with red lenses, what color would you see? Red. Universally, everyone says red. It's like, no, you wouldn't see red because you wouldn't know what it is because you've had nothing to compare <laughs> it to. Right? <laughs> it's pretty simple. Red needs a contrast of blue and green in order to be red. You know, so if you want to manifest things and create things, yes, you absolutely have to go into the parts that are uncomfortable because they're the things that are uncomfortable and the providing of the discomfort that has created the narrative to make you think you need or want anything outside of yourself anyway. Right? So true manifestation and true success that we in society deem as material relationship gain is in being truly authentic and being fully self-accepting. And in that, you'll realize you don't need anything, of which the byproduct will usually be fucking awesome circumstances. <laughs> That's the thing. So it's kind of the opposite way that we've been taught that it works is the way that we need to do it. Sure. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, I do believe that manifestation of um, emotion, you know, like repeating i am happy or i am in a state state of flow and this kind of stuff um would bring in a a neuro pathway that brings abundance to you in a way that you're you're not bypassing the shadow but you are focusing on what you want the the soul to be and the soul to kind of connect with yeah. that positive energy yeah. Does that align with... It does, but I think more it's more of a state of being, you know? So happiness for me, that's a transitory state, mm -hmm. right? Like usually happiness is um, a state of something has given me that and just having, I see more as the statement of I am, right? Because there's the I am, there's the I am not, right? So I am not is a sense of negation, which is like I say, don't think about a pink elephant. You start thinking about a pink elephant right? Mm -hmm. The I am is a much more powerful statement. So I do agree with that. But you said feeling based um, I am's, you know, whereas a lot of people when they use the manifestation thing is I have a BMW, I have a gold Rolex, I have a beautiful partner, you know, something to obtain, right? Right. Okay. Rather than the I am, the I am is much deeper philosophical. So I agree with you there. It's I'm peaceful, I'm joyful, I'm, I'm vital, you know, all that sort of stuff, which is you mm. get into that part, that's the real shit. That's the important stuff. Versus like wanting to create better circumstances by using that methodology right. to make your circumstances better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. I, okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We agree. Yeah. Uh, talk to me more about what you mean by quantum entanglement. Yeah. So I'll use an example. I was working with someone, um, re oh, no, not recently, a few months ago. And um, she was caught up around, well, the first example was the woman that I worked with sexually abused that um, the people came back into her life. So um, when we start to project out when we're in resistance, we all become entangled to people, right? And it's quite often like the aspect of when you're thinking about someone without the energetic emotional attachment to them, they'll contact you, right? Because we're all connected. So quantum entanglement is you take the cells of the plant to the other side of the world and you stimulate the plant, the cells will react on the other side of the world, even though they appear to be separate, okay? Because there is no separation, it's an illusion, mm. right? So what will happen in a real aspect is um, I was working with a woman and, um, you know, she'd had her partner leave her or whatever else and... Um, I was like, hey, she's like, okay, cool, cool. So what do I do about my partner? I said, what do you tell everyone? She goes, oh, that he cheated on me with my best friend and left me. And I said, all right, well, fucking tell everyone that he freed you. And her shoulders drop and she lets out this long sigh. And I said, How's, how much better does that feel? She's like, really good. Anyway, she dated two guys or something earlier in the year that she was 
quite attached to, but she only went on one date with either of them. But mm-hmm. in her quantum aspect or energetic, she was in resistance. She's like, I need this person to save me. I need this person to save me. She's in resistance, 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 right? As soon as I did that release with her around that, just the energetics of her understanding that that person freed her rather than victimized her, those two guys contacted her the next day and asked her out. Hmm. Right? So she's in resistance to them. So she's pushing, she's pushing, she's pushing. There's force control, manipulation, domination, resignation, right? Which leads to disappointment. That continues the victimized narrative that she's running in. That's an energetic frequency that you're putting out there, right? She dissolved that by looking at her situation around her partner, which is her aspect of men, right? As being free now from that. So she became free of the judgment that she's not enough and doesn't deserve love underneath all of that. That then made her emotionally available to receive these other two guys to come back and ask her out. That's quantum entanglement. Right. That's entanglement at a real level and how it works. It's like it happens to all of us. The minute we let go of someone or something is when it comes in. You know, we talk about the art of letting go. Yeah. Which is almost unattainable. It's like, you know, it's not really put into a way with any sort of substance of like, oh, you know, you really want something, then you've got to let it go. It's like, it's just, it's almost an unattainable aspect of it. But it's like, look, if you're, if you want something, the more you chase it, the more you push it away because your energy is saying that you need that in order to fill something underneath you of which you feel unfulfilled in, right? So it'll, it'll like, it'll just, um, it's unattainable in that way. But if it's like the energetics are blocking you from receiving that, then you probably won't want it in the first place and then it'll come in. You know, and that's the entanglement of it. We become entangled with people, with situations, with ideas, with some kind of idealized future that when I get there, I'll be okay. And that puts you into a state of lack. And that's why you don't get it. That's why you don't get what you want. And that's quantum entanglement. As far as I understand it from the healing and the trauma level, there might be scientists out there, probably would be, but are much smarter than I am that could explain it in a better way. But in relation to my work, which is the only direct experience I can have or speak of it, that's how it works. Right. Okay. So if you were to then identify where this block is, is it a process of just reframing that you do with clients that allows them to then let go of that block? Not always reframing. No, like sometimes we have to go through multiple layers. So... There was a client I was working with that came to me. She had an issue with her shoulder, for example. She needed shoulder surgery five days she was scheduled for after we went to our stuff. But the first thing was like she had to go through one aspect where she needed to resolve the resentment towards her grandmother, right? So she needed to, we needed to go through all these memories, restructure that, make her see that the belief she had of the world was different. So reframing is part of that. But another example, right, and her shoulder uh, energy dissipated within a few days. She didn't need the surgery after we reframed that. So that's one way of doing it. Another thing might be like people attracting the same partner again and again and again, and they've got anxious, disorganized attachment. They need to learn how to set boundaries, which can be crippling for them, right? So it might be something like that too. Another aspect might be an imagery that they need to go back and literally hold the little girl that's still inside them that's been sexually abused as if that's their daughter coming to them, telling them that they've been abused, you know? So they'll go into like a hugging sequence, which will be a, a physical one to feel what it would be like if that was their daughter that experienced their experience. So that's quite a visceral and emotional one mm. uh, that they need to go through as well. So there's a couple of different elements and aspects to it. Um, but overall, underneath it all, I would say it's not just reframing because it kind of puts it into almost like a really simple context. Yeah. But it's more like there's a beautiful saying by Marcel Proust, who was an 18th century writer, and he says, the journey of discovery consists not in seeking new lands, but in seeing with new eyes. And so we have to go back into these places which are controlling us and look at it through the lens of acceptance rather than judgment. And then that creates a completely different frequency in the body. Now, I could sit there with someone and say, Okay, well, everything was just a gift. You're all right. You're safe now. But it doesn't work like that. Like, that's very easy to do. But until Mm. you get into the core energetics and they actually have the release, and that comes from the space that I hold of the quintessential mother energy, 
which essentially that is my gift is holding the love and acceptance for them because most people just don't know what it's like to be held. Mm. They don't know what it's like to be fully accepted and seen and feel safe. And quite often for the first time in their life, that's what they're experiencing. And that's not a place of like a mother from the human example is, which is um, still human. This is from a spiritual love, like a very deep, all-encompassing love, which is something you have to radiate and actually embody, which is... I learned that by virtue of the fact that my mother couldn't show me that, that I learned it for myself. And then that is really, that's the key in all of this. It really is. Like, I can reframe things till the cows come home, but if they don't feel safe enough to go there, it won't happen. Right. When did you know that you felt confident enough to actually hold space for others with these gifts? Good question. So it came about through self-realization and self, just doing the self-work. And I looked and when I discovered that, you know, life will bring you all the circumstances to show you where you're trapped, mm. right? It's trying to, it's trying to wake you up so you can have a better life, right? Mm. And in the acceptance, and this was the big thing, like my mother was hyper abusive to me, incredibly emotionally abusive, sometimes physically. My dad was a sociopath. Um, and I won't talk about my siblings because one of them might hear this, but I won't go into that. But basically I said, they're four beautiful souls and they, it was the realization, it was a feeling. And this is where the reef, going back to the reframing thing, won't work unless you feel it. Like you got to get to a point really deep within you. And I look at them now, I don't speak to them anymore, mm. but I look at them as four incredibly beautiful souls that came into this life to have this experience with me so they could help me free myself by virtue of them being exactly who I didn't want them to be, but who I needed them to be, so then I could do this work. When I got to that point, the love that I felt that opened up was that real quintessential unconditional love that I never thought that I could ever experience opened up within me. And that was the thing where I could look at what most people would deem as really bad people. But they were just doing the best they could, right? I'm sure that my thing, my main thing was around my mum. Mm. And I realised that if I'd made every choice she had with, with every environment, every circumstance, I'd probably be exactly like her. So she was just doing the best she could. Mm. So when I moved into that acceptance, it was like this thing cracked open inside me, which was complete love and acceptance. It was okay for me to be who I am because I was able to accept them for who they were. And so that then gave me the ability to be able to express that with the people that come to me. And I deal with people that have like had sexual relationships with their father for 20 years, you know, that most people would judge and say, you're sick, like all that sort of stuff. People, women that come to me like thinking they're so broken because, you know, they've been violated by their brother and his, their two brothers and gang raped by their twin brother, stuff like that, you know, like, real stuff where they carried a sense of brokenness to them and the gift I guess that was given to me I don't know where it came from or why I've got it or why I, why I'm the guy to do this work it just it is me that's it which I've accepted and so when I bring that into some sessions when I've gone into some into all of them the person usually is in tears within you know a couple of minutes like usually within the first five minutes a woman will be bawling her eyes out just because they'll feel that and that's not something I can explain or quantify because it's intangible, but it's deep and it's a really common thing. I'd say, you know, over 90% of people that start off with me within the first couple of minutes are in tears. So how do people find you if they want to work with you? Mainly on Instagram. My username is Pure Jaguar um, or my website, which is jaguar-heart.com. Um, they're the two easiest ways to find me. Okay, great. And what would you say is the is the main thing that someone needs to be experiencing to turn to you? Do you know what I mean? Oh, um, I would say I, I really work with emotions. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. So any kind of emotional discomfort, patterns that keep showing up, anxiety, depression, a lot of that is symptomatic. Mm. So if there's any kind of inner emotional turmoil, that's where I that's where I really operate from. Great. And do you have any book recommendations or show staples to share? Any insightful books that you 
Yeah, there's some stuff on Audible by an Indian philosopher called Krishnamurti um, called Reality, Truth and the Distortion of Thought. It's a pretty, um, <laughs> it's a pretty big, um, uh, what do you call it, pretty big listen. Um, but if you get it, it's quite good. He also did a book called What Are You Doing With Your Life? which is all around questioning the self. Um, there's another book which is called Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. Mm. It's about breathwork and meditation. A lot of people would have heard of him. Um, and there's another book called The Nectar of Immortality, Discourses on the Eternal by Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj, which is just type in Maharaj. And he also did a book called I Am That, which is, uh, they're probably my go-to ones that I've read a number of times now. Um, which have been, you know, really keen understanding the philosophical aspects of human being, human being the ego, being being the soul. I am this, I am not, um, and that kind of that kind of mentality, which underpins a lot of my work. Incredible! Oh, it's been so wonderful to speak to you. Um, yeah, you too. Thanks for the space. Yeah, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on. If you found today's episode inspirational and informative, please consider joining me on Patreon. I'll put the link in the show notes as this helps me fund these passion projects, help more people on their transformative journeys and give information on an ongoing basis. Please hit subscribe if you like this so that you're notified every time we post a new episode and join us on Facebook at Cosmic Moments or go to CosmicMoments.com and join the Corona Lockdown Challenge of daily breath work to boost the immune system and meditation and somatic movement to release stress and anxiety during this Corona Lockdown. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.